Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Church Podcast. Please, at the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and head over to bridgechurchutah.com and have access to all of the church information and it's the easiest way to share content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at Bridge Church. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome everybody on the podcast today. Let's get going because we're going to start a brand new message series that's called Free Indeed. Now we got to practice because this is going to trip you out a little bit and I don't want to trip you up. I want to help you, right? So let's say, say Jesus with me. Okay, you got to say it like you mean it because we're going to talk about some stuff that's going to make, we're going to make the enemy mad today. And you, not, you need to know who you are, right? You're going to have to be confident in your identity. You're going to have to understand that Jesus, like we just sang all those songs about victory. And we sang those songs about who Jesus is and he's our living hope. Because you have to know that because what we're going to talk about today is going to mess with the enemy. And you're going to be really glad you're in this place today. That's the good news. The bad news is it's going to be really difficult for you to get here for the next three weeks. Because the enemy's going to mess with you. He's going to make you tired. He's going to make you sick. He's going to make you not want to come. And I can't make it. I'll watch the stream and clean my house at the same time and not hear a thing. Because that's what happens. Sorry for everybody on the stream. Good luck to you. Right? But how many you know, right, Zoom calls are great, but you put the Zoom call on and then you'll be doing something else and you're not even paying attention to what's happening. So what's gonna, what the deal is, you need to be in this room because deliverance is going to take place. That's talking free indeed. Anybody want to be free in this place? Right? We've all got that something. We've all got those things that we just have been confessing and that we've been dealing with. And, you know, this anger issue or this lust issue or this greed issue or this anger issue. How many of you know there's something behind that? Okay, two people know that there's something behind that. That's good. Good you're here because you're going to learn about that today, right? We're going to start. We're going to see what Jesus says, right? This is foundational information to, to being free. How many of you know Jesus wants you free? Jesus paid an ultimate price for you to be free. And for us to sit on our hands and just deal with stuff. And oh, that's just my personality. That's just the way I was made. I was brought up this way. Let me just shed a little light in a dark place. That's a bunch of crap. Jesus paid the price for you to live above and beyond what the world says you are. Anybody with me on this today? All right, I love teaching this stuff. I believe our whole, my whole mantra as a Bible teacher is to show people what Jesus paid for and where you can be. You don't have to deal with this stuff because everything is spiritual. And we have, we sang about it, we have the authority. I just preached this whole message. We might as well just go home right now. It's like I just wrecked everything. Stick with the notes, right? So say it with me. Jesus. Say it again, Jesus. The reason that the enemy is going to be so ticked off about this is he's going to get caught. We're going to show that he's been stealing from you for years and you don't even know it. Like, but pastor, my life's good. I'm happy. There's always something. All right. So on your notes, John chapter 8 is where we're going to start. Let's see what Jesus said about this whole thing. 
because if you don't need, if you need notes, stick your hand up. Somebody should have gave you one. If you need a three-ring sticker on it, just saying. Only the special people get those. Or if you know Tony, that's it. So let's look at uh, what Jesus said in John chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 31. And this chapter 8, right, we, gotta, we, gotta, we, we believe in context, right? And, and this chapter 8 starts with a lady who get, got caught in adultery, all right? So let's talk about this for a minute because Jesus is teaching these people. And they bring this woman who was caught getting busy with some dude. And, and they throw, him in, throw her in front of Jesus. And they're like, what about this? Caught in the act. And I always wonder, I read these stories and I'm like, whatever happened to the dude, right? Where's the, the guy? Why is it always the girl's fault when it's like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, the lady gets caught in adultery, and, and Jesus starts telling them, and he writes in the sand, and, and then he's like, uh, let the one with no sin cast the first stone. And, and it's hilarious to me that the oldest to the youngest start like, yeah, about that. That ain't me, right? So they start walking away, and the youngest, and all of a sudden, everybody's gone. Right? Because they were, he, he, was, he was making them feel some kind of way about it. It's like, you don't have any right to judge anybody, so just shut your mouth. By the Father and who he is. And, you know, and the Jewish law says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let, be, let a word be established. Well, he was the only word that was there. How many of you know Jesus is the word? He says, and he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. I want you to notice, always please him. There was not a time in the whole ministry of Jesus that he was ever outside of God's will. And he didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to pray about it. He was in God's will all the time, every decision, every word. Then look what he goes on to, uh, verse 31. That's what I want you to get to. He says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. He's speaking to believers, church people, church people. Okay, he said to him, "If you same home, there's a cross reference to John 14 in there. We won't take time to look at it, but it means to live with, right? Chase used to abide at my house, no longer. Hallelujah, right? Joel used to abide at my house. This is abiding. We abide with Jesus. We're a part of Him. Okay, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know. Say no." Know the truth, and the truth shall make, literally set you free. What's going to set you free in this place today? The truth, all right? That's where we're going with this. That word know is in the recognition of truth by personal experience. Every time you come into this place, you should expect an encounter with God, right? God should be here, you should be here, and there should be an encounter. It's like I am not just going to stand here. And suck up time because the court made me come to church. Wouldn't that be convenient? Is that, is that socialism? I don't know. Well, anyway, here's the deal. We, we should come into this place knowing to set you free. All right, I think you're getting it. Verse 33, they, right? Here's the, here comes the church people. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free. Number one rule of being free or free indeed, you have to understand that you are in bondage. These church people, descendants of Abraham, ooh, 
we're not, we're not in bondage. Ha! Talking to the Son of God. Watch what he says now. And then Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. How many saved people in here? Okay, one, two, three. What's wrong with you people? Come on. Put your hand up. Your arms, pits are wet. It's hot. You're all right. It's okay. So you're saved. Right? Nobody. So you are saved. You are in the family of Christ, but you are still, you still sin. Are you with me on this? Okay. That's what Jesus just said. You may be church people. You may be, uh, you know, in the family of God, but you still sin. Okay? That's what he just said. That's the, the Pastor Dan translation. You're saved, but you still sin. Your sins have been paid for, and, and all that redemption stuff is done, but you still sin. Okay? And then he says, verse 35, And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. We're going to teach a series in a couple of uh, October, right before I go out, about servant or son. It's going to be amazing. And here's the thing. He's saying a slave doesn't abide in the house. You were once slaves to sin, but how many of you know Jesus can set you free? But you have to understand that you're in bondage first. Rule number one, understand that you are in bondage. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be, say shall be, free indeed. Whose decision is it to be free? Right? It's on us. It's just like you accepted Jesus, you have to accept freedom. It's part of the deal. You paid the ultimate price for it. It's up to us to get it. Most believers are not free indeed because they don't believe that they are indeed in bondage. But everybody has that one little dark corner, that one, my temper, right? Maybe I procrastinate. Maybe I sleep too much. Maybe I have a greed issue. Maybe I have this. Maybe I have that. Those are things that we just accept as, ah, just my personality. No, it isn't. Let me show you what it is. Mark chapter 5, all the ladies who go into uh, She Reads Truth just went through this whole thing, and they're going to enjoy it because they know now they're on chapter 8 or 10 or somewhere. So here's Jesus again, right? And here is the problem with believers who don't understand the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes, right? It was an area. Gadara was the city there. And he had come out of the boat, immediately met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Hmm, unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him or even with chains. Be kicking in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. This dude's got some issues. Would you agree? Got some problems. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. Ran and worshipped him. Now, like, we got to dif different, we got to make a difference, differentiate, different, different, whatever that word is, you know what I mean, between the man and the unclean spirit, because there's conversations that happen with everybody. I would suggest that the man who is made in God's image, uh, 
saw Jesus from afar, ran and worshipped him. That was the man, okay? And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What do I have to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I would suggest that this is the unclean spirit talking now, okay? And he's through the man, and he said, uh, By you, you by God, that you do not torment me. That word implore is the demon speaking. He's like, please don't mess with this. This is a good setup I got here. I got this guy under control, and I am in a body, and I am happy, okay? He goes on here, and he says, uh, verse 8, for he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. The words are in red. That's Jesus speaking to the spirit, not to the man. Because Jesus will never torment anybody. And then he asked him, what is your name? Well, we got a conversation happening. He answered and saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. A legion in Roman, this is Roman uh, district, right, in the gatherings. A legion is 6,000. 200 or 6,826 soldiers at its max. That's some folks. They, he says many. He says our name is Legion. It could be, yeah, this boy is full of something. Spirit has a name, right? And it, we speak to that thing. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Notice right away this unclean spirit knows who has the authority. He knows who he's talking to, Okay? Identity's really important in this whole game. I heard an interesting analogy about identity this week. And it was, uh, the guy was talking about the identity of a pile of cow manure. Right? It stinks. It smells. It's terrible. It's, you know, what it is. The identity of that thing will not change no matter what. Even if you took the most expensive perfume, like Chanel Number no. 5 or Number no. 8, whatever it is, and sprayed the whole bottle on the identity of that thing is still the same. It has not changed. How many of you know Jesus can change your identity? Amen? Are you with me? He also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out into the country. The, the unclean spirit likes the stronghold, likes Jews wouldn't have that in there. So all the demons, all of the demons begged him saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter them. A disembodied spirit always wants to be in a body where they call the stronghold. And at once, Jesus gave them permission. Notice where the permission's coming from. From Jesus, right? Are you with me? Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine, and there were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. And those... So those who fed the swine, and they told it in the city and the country, and they went out to see what had happened. And this is a big deal. Whenever there's a, a deliverance or a, a cleansing, it's a big deal. Because what follows is testimony, and it brings others into the kingdom. Then they came to Jesus, saw the one who had, had been demon-possessed, interesting phraseology, and he had elite and, and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. Interesting wordology there because right mind is where uh, can be called and to do with getting your mind renewed. And those who saw it told him how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine, and they begged to plead with him to depart from their region. It's interesting, this amazing thing happened 
And all of a sudden, everybody's like, yeah, so you need to go. You're weird. I would ask the guy who is free how weird he is because he just saved his life, just like many of you can get your life saved today. And we got into the boat. Uh, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus not, did not prevent him. He said, go home. This dude finally gets to go home. He'd been living in the cemetery for years, possessed and, and all this stuff, and it was terrible, and he finally gets to go home. Isn't that a blessing? Uh, and tell your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has compassion on you, and he departed and, and went to Decapolis and, and said all that Jesus had done for him, and everybody marveled. Number one on your note page there. <clears throat> he says, uh, there really are demons. Really are demons. You can deny it. And, and Sunday morning, you'll never hear this in another church in this valley, probably. But I want to tell you because I want you to be free. I want you to operate at the level that Jesus purchased for you. This isn't a freaky out message. This isn't a scare you message. This isn't a scare thing. How can you be scared of something you have authority over? Right? Do you have authority over your children? At least when they're little. I don't know about the adults. Right? Who runs the house? Right? We have authority in that area. You have authority over what's happening in your life. That word demon in the Bible, 82 times from cover to cover. 61 times it's in the Gospels. Jesus directly talks to demons like this one, and he directly gives them commands. Why is it so prevalent in the Gospels and not in the rest of the Bible in the Old Testament? I believe because nobody had authority over these things until the Son of God showed up. Then it was like, uh-oh, somebody's here who's different. This one has no sin. This one has no past, no history, no problems, no issues, no grown up weird stuff. We, can, we can't test this one, right? Um, he, uh, Jesus immediately confronted these things. Didn't let them sit. Didn't let them hang around. Didn't let them get a stronghold in this place. He said, you, you, and you, scram. Ran them into swine, ran them off. Multiple were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed them all who were sick. Matthew 9, he went out, and behold, they brought him a man, and demon-possessed. Uses those words in the New King James, right? Jesus rebuked the demon, Matthew 17, and he came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Maybe some of the stuff you've been dealing with your whole life can be taken out in this place today. Are you with me? Uh, then he pointed to 12 that they uh, might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have power to heal sickness and cast out demons. Church people, we have the power to do this. You're not going to hear this everywhere, right? This is one of those things. But if you want to be free, somebody has to tell you. You got to know. You can be free from this thing that you're dealing with that you've repented for hundreds of times this issue that keeps following you around through every relationship you can be delivered you can be set free it's a part of being free indeed C.S. Lewis says this there's two groups of people Satan loves and gets excited over in one of his books he says the skeptic 
demons don't exist and never have, or they only have in Jesus' time. I'm like, well, if that's the case, where'd they go? Because Jesus died and raised from the dead and did his thing. Where did they all go? They all just disappeared. Lots of questions about where they came from. I don't really care where they came from. You study it out and figure it out. Are they, you know, from uh, fallen angels? Are they uh, Nephilim, children? Who knows? Who cares? They're, they're, they're like cockroaches in corners. They don't matter, right? The other group that C.S. Lewis says that Satan loves and gets excited over is the superstitious. They see a demon behind every bush. They freak out. They get crazy. Everybody needs deliverance. You need deliverance, sister. You did. <laughs> wow, that got weird. <laughs> wow. Yeah, guess who's sleeping on the couch tonight? You, you're going you're gonna to be delivered from your household. <laughs> he, says, <laughs> he says, both of those two, right? There's the skeptic and the superstitious that are crazy. See a demon behind every, every bush. You know, both of them are, are crazy. And it's like, if you're in either one of those camps, we need to bring it into the middle, right? And just deal with it face on. That's the only way Jesus dealt with stuff, right? They're both in bondage, and they're both deceived, all right? And you can't get free from something unless you evil think. It's the way it works, Jesus. And we could sit in this place, and we could sugarcoat everything, make it sound real pretty, which I'm trying to do so people don't write bad reviews and freak out. That's all they talk about is Satan and demons over there. It's like, really? It's the truth. And the truth is the only thing that sets you free. Pastor Jack Hayford, one of my uh, distance mentors, he says, you can't cast out the flesh, and you can't disciple a demon. So one of the two need to go. Right? We need to figure this out. The old age, age old debate in churches is it discipleship or deliverance? You know what the answer to that question is? Yes. Both. Right? Sometimes one, but most of the time, just need to be discipled. That's why we're having a midweek service. That's why we have connect groups. You can go to gathering and learn something about Jesus. We can learn something as she reads truth, right? Crawling through the Gospel of Mark. Every time I talk about it, and I'm like, you're only on chapter 8? It's been like 16 weeks. What are you people doing? It's like, well, we're just word by word, a lot of conversation, a lot of questions. Because you learn by asking questions. I mean, if you're going to sit in this room and be discipled for 45 minutes a, a month, you're going you're gonna to starve to death. You're going to get your butt handed to you every single day. It takes more than that. Right, you okay? Everybody all right? We have to understand that this is a defeated foe, right? Uh, this is going to be something that you're going to be surprised at. But, but when I was counseling, when I was young, first, I've been saved for 20, how old are you? 25? 26 years? And uh, I, I was counseling with one of my mentors, and he said this to me. I said, I was like, are you saying that I'm demon-possessed? And he started laughing, and he said, yeah, <laughs> a lot. Not like Legion, but a lot. And I, we were sitting on a bench eating ice cream, and I just, my whole thing just melted right in a puddle. I was like, 
what do you mean? And he showed, but here's what he did because he was a mentor and a pastor. He went through scripture by scripture showing me this happens because of this spirit. This happens because of that. You're angry because of your past. Yes, but this is why. And we started praying. And, and it wasn't a freak out, fall down, pass out, be out for hours thing. It was just like, yeah, we worshiped a little bit. We raised our hands. We cried, snot, booked, got better. And slowly, how many of you know physical infirmity is a spirit? Right? And being sick all the time. Having the flu all the time. Not just the government lying about it. It's a real thing. It happens. Right? And, and then you can be delivered from that. They stop taking pills and stop taking a leave five times a day and doing all this stuff. You can be delivered from these things. Number two on your handout there, right? The spirit can be defeated. Number two, they really, um, it gets confused a lot, but we're going to talk about that today because context rules. And John 10, 1 through 10 is what we're going to talk about. And it talks about how they get in. Right? And this has been kind of taken out of context, whatever. But you have to read this in the context of the verses before, uh, chapter 9, 35 through 41. Right? Because Jesus is contrasting himself with the shepherd, and he's talking to the false teachers that are the Pharisees. So really, the thief that he's talking about are false teachers and pastors. Is the same as a thief and a robber. Got to come through Jesus. Everything in ministry circles that has to do with the Bible has to. Even some of the stuff that, that preachers today are talking Holy Ghost stuff. If it doesn't come through Jesus, through that door, it's false. All right? But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Remember, contrasting. He's talking about himself. To him the doorkeeper opens, Jesus opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings him out of his, I wish I could read today, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. It was interesting to me when, we were, when Chase was little and Joel was little, Michelle had this radar dish on her head. And she could hear his voice in a crowd of people if he was upset, if he was crying. The, the mama ear can hear a baby crying that belongs to her from like 72,000 miles away. Could be on the other side of the planet and be like, something's wrong. And I'm serious about that because Joel was at college doing bad things. And she woke up in the middle of the night one night and was like, we need to go get Joel. And I was like, what? It's 3 in the morning. We need to go get Joel. He's in trouble. How does that happen? I don't know. It's called... Holy Ghost, and it comes through Jesus. A shepherd's voice, the sheep hear it, and they follow it. It's amazing, okay? Yet they uh, by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Jesus used this illustration, but they didn't understand the things which he spoke to them. And Jesus said, in John, the door of the sheep. Everything has to come through Jesus. Say, Jesus. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Talking about the Pharisees, talking about every, all these false teachers, all this false stuff. If it does not come through Jesus, it's false. 
right? I cannot express you enough because this is how people end up in bondage. False teaching, false teachers, and just, excuse my French, but a bunch of BS. And it puts people in bondage, especially religious bondage, which is a real popular thing around here. Moving on. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters me by me through Jesus, he will be saved. He will go in and find pasture. The thief, the false preacher, the false prophet, the false bondage giver does not come but except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. This bondage steal abundantly. Anybody want that? Right? All right, five of you. Good deal. All right, we're going to live that way. Is that okay? A couple of things we need to discuss here. These words, demon-possessed, are two words in English, one word in the Greek. They're daemoni, zome. And the, the uh, um, definition is to be under the power of a demon. Now, let's talk about this possession thing, right? We've all seen the movie, your head's been around, all that stuff, right? That's not the way this works. Because possession has two meanings in the Greek language. One is to take ownership. This is not talking about taking ownership of a person. This is talking about the second one, which is to gain mastery over, or the exact literal is to have power over. And that power is given by us. We allow it in our lives. Sometimes it's comfortable. Sometimes it feels good. Sometimes it's just, you know, makes me feel of some kind of way. There's the power of a decent in your notes. One has, has, it's on you, a demon, right? In other instances, an idiomatic phrase is employed. The demon rides the person or the demon commands the person. How many of you have read that book by Rick Joyner called Final Quest? Be controlled by a demon. Oh, yeah, because their hooks are in them and they're riding them. That's the picture that they're giving. That's the reason you have stupid thoughts and you're crazy, right? Not anybody in this room, of course, right? We've all got that sin. We've confessed over. Oh, my gosh, again, I keep getting drawn into this gutter. I keep getting pulled this direction. Why? Because you don't have victory over that thing in your life. You can do it. Say, Jesus. Jesus, right? Here's a quick illustration about this, and we'll be done. Okay? All of you are in church today. What happens... If when you get you sitting here enjoying this fantastic message, sweating with sweaty pits, right? And all of a sudden you think, I think I left a window or a door open at home. And you're like, uh-oh. And you're thinking, and you get home. Sure enough, the front door is open and there's a thief in your house. What are you going to do with that thief? Kill shot, right? You are going to evict him from your house. So what if thing in this house that's making us think crazy thoughts and do dumb things and have the same relationship issues over, the same financial issues over? What if we're drawn to the same sin over, whether it's pornography or thievery or stealing or just abusive or whatever? What if this is happening in our hearts? What if there is a thief in our What if that's happening and going on? in your life. Number three on your handout. Jesus. Say Jesus. Jesus has the authority. Luke 10. 
Luke chapter 10, verse 17, says this. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even, write this down if, you're, if you've got your Bible in your hands or if you're whatever, refrigerator verse. Us, me, you, everybody, to us in your name. Remember the songs we were singing at the, during worship? Singing about Jesus, singing about the name. There is victory in your name, Lord. There's power in the name of Jesus. Ever hear that chain falling off song? I could tell you about something I really did stupid in a church service one time. But we'll save that for another, another time. Verse 18 says, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Son of God, right? Saw that whole thing happen. Verse 19. Behold. This is important. Kind of important to get control of your life right here. I give you the authority. Then he's using an illustration to trample on serpents and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy. And nothing, say nothing. Nothing can by any means hurt you. Do you understand what this means? Maybe you've never heard this before. Maybe you don't understand. Let me tell you. You can look at something. You can lay hands on somebody. You can do miracles, signs, and wonders. All of these gospels are full of amazing things that Jesus did. And it's in your hands you can do it. Just need to speak to that thing and say, get out. Stop it. Get off my children. Get out of my house. What, if you came home and there was some idiot in your house, what are you going to do? going to get your Glock. You are going to remove that person from your house. So let's remove this thing from this house. Let's get it out. You're all dealing with stuff because if you're not, you're just in denial and you're never going to be set free. Rule number one, you have to realize that the enemy's always going to focus on your weakness and your history. Right? You'll never get free. We've done this before. You've had pastors from one country, from California to New York, lay hands on you, and you still ain't free. Well, today is your day, because we can do this. And here's how it happens. Because Jesus has the authority, back to Mark, Mark chapter 5, verse 6, where we started, how did that guy get free? That guy was a bigger mess than any of you, because y'all got your clothes on, he didn't. Okay? Thank God, right? He didn't have any clothes on, and he was crazy, and he was living in a cemetery. I don't think that's any of you, so you're already ahead of him. What did he do to get free? Verse 6 says this. He says, he saw Jesus from afar. He ran. Right now is your, it's your day. First thing we're going to do, everybody looking right here at me. If you are in this place today and you don't know Jesus, if you've never confessed in, with your mouth, believed in your heart, right now is this the step number one to crossing over the threshold of being free indeed is confessing Jesus as your Lord. Stick your hand up where I can see it right now and just say, Jesus, I am with you right now. Then we're going to stand up and worship. We're going to have the prayer team come. If you want somebody to lay hands on you today, that's fine. If you want to sit there in your seat and just worship God like the, the guy in Gadara, that's fine. There is never any. This is up to you to get free today. You can do it by yourself. 
We'll have the prayer team, Chase is here, and Polly and whoever. Maybe Joel can come. And they'll lay hands on you and say, Father, in the name of Jesus. The name above every name. The name that gives me the authority. I declare you as my Lord. As my Savior. As my living hope in this earth. I thank you, Father, for saving me, for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's all stand together. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Sandy, South Jordan, West Jordan, or Harriman area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, head over to bridgechurchutah.com or email info at bridgechurchutah.com or you can simply text 801-391-6969. We're looking forward to seeing you soon.